0: Y'all, Luke chapter 7, we've been here for a little while, but here's the funny thing. Today is week 2 of our mini-sermon series inside of the massive, long-sermon series of the book of Luke. right? So this is week 2 of the series, Jesus Is. And last week we got to talk about how Jesus is Lord who is amazed by faith. Not just our outside doings, not just our deeds, but first, he is amazed by our faith. And we got to see that be played out through an unlikely character in the Bible, right? An unlikely character, a Roman centurion, a bad boy of the Roman army whose faith should not have been that Jesus is Lord, and his faith should not have been that Jesus had power to heal. But it was. And and Jesus looked and he marveled, he was amazed by that centurion's faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. This week, we get to see and look at how, um, as Jesus encounters someone who is hurting, someone who is grieving, and we will be able to see what he feels about that person and what he's going to do for this person. And we will be able to walk away knowing that Jesus is Lord who has great compassion and power to do mighty, mighty things. Are y'all excited? I hope so. I'm pumped up. I had a really big cup of coffee this morning, a little too big, and I'm really excited. So let's pray, and we'll dig into God's Word. Heavenly I Father, Lord, you're so good. Um, Lord, we pray that at this time, Lord, that you would settle our hearts, settle our minds on you, God, and on things that are above us, Lord. Spirit, we pray that you um, interpret this scripture for us so that we can easily understand how this applies to our life, God. And Lord, I pray for any of us that are in who is hurting, who has grief in their life, who um, maybe is depressed, God. Maybe who is um, weighed down by um, failures or, or, or not knowing their identity in you, God. I pray that you would show them your compassion, God. And that in their time of hurt, in their time of loss, in their time of grief, show them, Lord, that they can turn to you. Because you have compassion and you have power to do something big, God. Lord, we love you. It's your son's let me pray, amen. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 11. And it says this, Soon afterward he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. Verse 12, As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the son of his mother, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Okay, so here's, here's kind of what's going on. Jesus, right, has just got done. He left Capernaum. Now he's coming to do ministry, and he's entering into the town with his massive posse, right? Not only does Jesus have his crowd of disciples, now his crowd, because he's becoming more famous, is growing bigger and bigger and bigger, so I want you to see what's happening. Here comes Jesus with his big crowd. They're about to enter the city. And here comes another big crowd of people. They're meeting at the gate. Okay. And so what Jesus says right, is this massive crowd of people that are heading out of town for a funeral. Right? It's an open casket. They're carrying the body. And here's this massive crowd all mourning the death of a young man. Okay, so here's a little context for you, okay? In those biblical times, if you didn't really have a lot of family, maybe not a lot of friends, you could hire professional mourners to come to your funeral service and they would mourn. I'm talking professional. Right? Does anybody know professional criers? Like they cry over everything and they cry hard. How many of you are a professional crier? Don't be ashamed. Thank you. It's okay to be a professional crier. But you would hire these people and they would come and they would wail and they would mourn. They would play string instruments, flutes, crash cymbals, and they would literally mourn from wherever you started to the funeral procession, to procession. Right? Professional crier. If you're one of them, maybe we can find you a job somewhere. Right? But anyway... As Jesus looked into this crowd, okay, I just want you to think, this, his massive crowd, the, the crowd of mourners, right, people are just crying. Jesus looks out and sees this young man being carried out. And in this massive, chaotic crowd of a mess, right, he looks and, and sees the mother of this young man. And she's walking with the crowd, okay? So here, here's what's awesome about this, okay? Dr. Luke, this, this person who wrote this account of the gospel, he's the only one to mention this right here, okay? Now, does that mean that it didn't happen? No, it absolutely happened. I firmly believe that Jesus healed more people than what we have in the Bible, that he rose more people from the dead than what we have right here. The Bible even says if the sky was a scrolls, the water in the ocean, right, was ink, it wouldn't be enough to tell us all of the things that Jesus did. Right. But what's awesome about this is that Luke gives us some very specific details about this story um, that shows us how good Jesus is. OK, so here's what I want you to see. Look at verse 12 one more time. And G- this is Jesus. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died. OK, here's a little fun fact. Man, a young man. Right. It's going to say young man. Young man is anyone below 50. Okay. So young a man in here, if you're below fifty, you're young. Congratulations, right? A man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Okay? So here's here's what that tells us. This woman has already experienced hurt. Right? I mean she's she's already experienced pain, she lost her husband, and now she um she's lost her son. And in these days, it wasn't like we had like a woman's movement now. There was no woman's movement back then. The woman completely relied on her husband for everything. For protection, for provision, for security, for everything. And what happened is when the man had passed away, the son would step in and provide safety, security, provision for the mother. You guys, are you guys with me here? So what happens is if you lost your husband, then the son steps up. But Luke gives us detail, not the woman's name, but the detail of the fact that she had lost her husband and now her son, her only son. And, and, and so what I want you to see, and I want to be sensitive about the subject, but I want you to see the mother's true situation here. Absolutely, she, she, she's mourning the loss of her husband. Absolutely, she just lost her only son. But in reality, her situation is a little bigger than that because that means she has lost her support. She loved, I mean, of course, she's mourning the loss of her son, but she's, she's thinking. I mean, you can't help but wonder, like, man, what am I going to do tomorrow? Where, where am I going to sleep? What am I going to eat? What, what if someone tries to do something to me? What am I going to do? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? And, and as she walks in the midst of this chaotic mess, right, she probably stands there feeling alone. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but how many of you have, have been in a situation where even though the room is full, you still feel kind of alone? Huh? You can't help but wonder what she was feeling. That She was feeling the weight of the hurt of that moment, but she had no idea. Listen to me. She had no idea even feeling alone, even experiencing the grief and, the, and being Fearful, I'm sure. Even in all of that, in the chaos, she didn't know that she was walking right into Jesus Christ. huh? She didn't know that she was walking straight into Jesus and that Jesus was about to show us and show her exactly who He is. Amen? Amen. The next verse, though, speaks big volumes about who Jesus is. Y'all ready? Okay, verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Ah, this is good. Jesus had compassion on her. So this is a little bit into Jesus' heart here, right? Luke uses some strong words. This word compassion and its Greek word comes from um, something that means on the inside. Kind of like your heart, the lungs, the liver from the inside coming out. Right? And so what Luke is describing is this emotion um, that Jesus felt when he saw this woman in her hurt, and her grief, and her wondering. He saw her, felt compassion, and it came out of him. This is good. Now, we serve a God who isn't cold-hearted to our needs. But we serve a God who inside feels for us, and it comes out of him in a physical way. Right? Jesus felt for her. In the midst of the chaos, Jesus said, I see you. And he fell for her, and he hurt for her, and he had compassion for her. Right? And and, and we see that Jesus' heart and his compassion, we see that throughout the gospel accounts. I I can go on and on and on about this, but one of the bigger ways that we see that is when Jesus saw Mary and Martha. Do you guys remember this story? He looks at Mary and Martha, and, and they just lost their brother Lazarus. And he and he's walking up to them, and they see him from a distance, and they come in. They're crying, and they're Jesus. It's only you were here, Jesus. You would have healed my brother, so that he would not have died, Jesus. If you were here, Jesus, why weren't you here? What were you doing? And Jesus looked at him, and it says that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. That's John eleven. And and that word deeply moved is this um, deeply moved is this ancient word kind of like a horse um, kind of snorting like a <sighs> it, it is physical. He felt for the sisters so much that he had a physical reaction, and and, and then we see that when Jesus walks up it, that he wept. Jesus wept. Y'all with me this morning? It led him literally to cry over his friends. What this means for that widow, and what it means for us, is that Jesus' heart is big enough for all of our sorrows. That Jesus' heart and compassion and empathy for us is very, very real. Lamentations 3.22 says, His mercies will never come to an end. They are new every morning. And it goes on to say, Great is your what? Faithfulness. Listen to me. Our human compassion, our human mercy, our human grace is not enough to show uh, and to fix people's griefs. Our human compassion is not great enough. It can't stand the weight of, 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 of fear and guilt and shame and hurt and sorrow. Our human compassion will fail everybody, but Jesus never will. Jesus is will never will. His compassion surpasses mankind's. His grace surpasses all things. Jesus. Like I said, I want to be sensitive here. So some of you I know um, have before experienced grief and pain. And, and I'm not, I love you guys. I know some of you are currently right now experiencing that. And if you're not, and if you haven't, you're going to. You're, you're going to experience hurt. You're going to experience pain. The Bible tells us that the world, all of creation, is in groaning. Right? We, we are missing sa- the Savior. Right? Jesus made the world, and it was perfect. And it's screwed up now because of sin. And we're seeing that played out in front of us. We had shootings the synagogue to, what, yesterday. You're going to experience hurt. And it will cause you to be in a crowd of people silently mourning. But know this, Jesus understands completely. And he deeply cares for you. Amen? Amen. That's, that's a little bit of into Jesus' heart. He, he is Lord of compassion. Lord of compassion. But now we get to see a little more. Look at verse 13. It said, he said to her, Do not weep. Okay, this is Jesus' words. It's action now. Okay, he has emotion for us, but now we see some action. Do not weep. Okay, and so let me tell you a little story about one of my favorite students in the youth ministry back in Texas. His name is Jacob Castleberry. Okay, and Jacob Castleberry, when he came into our youth ministry, little bright eyed little kid, right? He came in as a seventh grader, he cried over everything. I mean, Jacob stopped talking. Here come the tears. Jacob lost at dodgeball. Here come the tears, right? Jacob, I can't go to lunch with you today. I got to do it. Here come the tears. He cried over everything. And he's a good kid. He's an Eagle Scout now. It's not like he's some emotional looking. He just cries. Right. And so one time we took them on a backpacking trip out in, for two weeks and I, I forgot where we were, but two weeks out in the mountains where if you cry, sorry about it. No one cares. We got to go. Right. And, and so what we do on those backpacking trips is give each other mountain names and, and we come up with some crazy story and we sit them down around the campfire and we say, Jacob, we're going to we're, we're going to tell the story of your new mountain name. And the kids get all pumped up. It's exciting, right? And, and we, long story short, his mountain name was Buttercup. And, and, and the story kind of went along with this flower that was a Buttercup, and it wept all the time. And, and so he said, well, what does this mean? It says, what this means is suck it up, Buttercup, quit crying, right? Jesus is not saying to this woman, suck it up, Buttercup, quit crying. That's, that's not what Jesus is saying here, Okay? When someone's in mourning, don't go to them and tell them to suck it up buttercup. That's not what Jesus is doing. What He is saying is, do not weep. I see you. Let me be God because I am God. And let me do what I came here to do in your life. Huh? Now look at what he's about to do. Look at verse 14. Then he came up and touched the beard and the bearers stood still. This is epic, okay? This is, this is, I don't know if you've ever read this and kind of envisioned this. This crazy, loud, two massive crowds meeting. People are wailing and crying. Other people are so excited about Jesus. It's this chaos, and in the middle of them heading out of town to bury her son, everyone's freaking out, instruments being played, Um, and even though the law says don't touch anything that's dead because it's unlawful, Jesus knows that that grace and mercy need to come above the law, amen? That he knows this, he comes and touches the open casket, and everyone stops. I mean, it's a dead silence. And in this moment, we see life and death standing face to face. And Jesus is about to show off who he is. Look at verse 14 again. And the bear stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother young man I say to you arise arise this is what's awesome because we've seen Jesus do this right here he is with his word speaks and a dead young man has brand new life this, this is powerful right I mean this is, this is good now this, is, this is amazing. If this doesn't amaze you, I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord, if it's been two weeks or 50 years, this should amaze you every time that Jesus' words told this young man who was dead, arise. And he's, he's here. And he's speaking. So what this shows us is that Jesus is the Lord who not only has great compassion for us, but has great power over life and death and power to resurrect people from the dead. Think about this. dead man hears Jesus' voice arise and here he is full of life, blood flowing through his body, heart beating in his chest, lungs working. What's awesome about this is that this happens today. The Bible tells us that anyone who is not a believer in Christ hears the voice of Jesus, huh? Hears the voice of Jesus, the Spirit drawing them, wooing them into Jesus Himself. When a non-believer, someone who doesn't follow Christ, surrenders their life to Him, acknowledges that He is Lord and Savior over the whole universe, the Bible says that we are born again and we have new life in Christ Jesus. Huh? This is a miracle that's still taking place today. Whoo! I want you to listen to how First Thessalonians says it. You don't have to turn there. Just look it up later so you know I'm not lying. God just got that. I appreciate it. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. It says this. For the Lord himself, listen, will descend from heaven with a cry of command. With the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Listen to me. Jesus absolutely, 100% has authority and power over death and over life. And the Bible promises that all who die in Christ is going to live. That, I mean, that is a secure promise we have in the Scripture. It's everywhere. If you don't see that in the Scriptures, read it again. <laughs> so let, me, let me kind of slow down. What this means is if you are grieving the loss of a loved one, and they have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they have moved on, They are alive with Christ, doing way better than we will ever do here on this earth. Mm. That's good. That's good. And and know this. If if you're in this room this morning, and you have professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen to me. This is good. You need to be secure in this. You, You don't need to be afraid of death. You don't need to fear if someone's going to come in here and, and just tear the whole place apart. You don't need to fear if someone's going to, uh, if you drive down the road and you get into a car, you don't need to fear if you have surrendered to Jesus and he is Lord and Savior over your entire life. When you die, you breathe your last breath. That's just the new beginning of your new life. That's eternity with heaven and Je- in heaven with Jesus Christ. Amen. Do not fear death, Christians. Do not fear death. We're all promised two things, right? Some of y'all are going to say something about taxes, but whatever. I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me mad, right? We're, we're promised a couple things. We're promised death, right? We're all, we're appointed a time to live and appointed a time to die. We're all, it's, it's happening, right? I feel it. I did a competition yesterday. I'm, I'm dying. I'm sore right now. My body is literally dying. I feel death, okay? I'm sore. I can't tie my own shoe this morning, okay? We're promised death. But we're also promised that Jesus is returning one day. And everything that's messed up, everything that's wrong and wicked in our lives, in this world, in all of creation, He's coming back and He's going to make things brand new again. If you're not founded in Jesus, if if you're playing this little game, if you've never come to a point where you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that this new life we're talking about that's, that's not for you you will perish and, and spend eternity in hell where you would want to die but will never die that's what the Bible tells us that you have the chance to experience new life in Christ I mean it's a free gift I mean, Jesus said here it is here it is this is new life and it's a free gift for you amen so let me refocus for a second here. As amazing, as amazing as this miracle is, right? Jesus comes up and speaks to a boy and he, and he becomes alive again. As amazing as that is, that's not the main point here. Luke doesn't stop here. Okay, um, He's going to put way more emphasis on who Jesus Christ is because Jesus is greater than his miracles. If you just had miracles and not Jesus, you have nothing. Jesus is greater than miracles. Jesus is greater than blessing. Jesus is greater than creation. We need Jesus, not just miracles. Amen? So look at what Luke says here. Look at verse 16. It said, fear sees them all. I would imagine so, right? Fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Okay? And so here, here's some context for you. About 500 years before this moment took place, there was a prophet who lived. His name was Elijah. Okay? And a prophet is just a kind of an unfortunate man that God used to go tell everyone that if they don't change their ways, God's going to just destroy them. Right? And so no one loves prophets. They would come into your town and go, hey, I came here to tell you, if you don't change your ways and turn back to God, he's going to literally bring fire and destroy you all. Right? And so this prophet Elijah kind of experienced and, and did kind of the same thing that Jesus did 500 years before Jesus. Right? I mean, this, the story is very similar. He went to a small town. Jesus went to a small town. Um, he got close to the city gate, and just as Jesus got close to the city gate, and they were both met by widows about to bury their only son. All right? this, I mean, it's crazy. And, and so I want you to listen to the story. It's in 1 Kings. Go ahead and turn there. 1 Kings chapter 17. I want you to see this with me. First Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 19. This is Elijah. In verse 19, he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up to the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And then he cried to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came to him again, and he, re- and he revived. And Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives and the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is, um, in your mouth is truth. Okay? Just look how identical these stories are here. Jesus gave this son to his mother. I mean, he provides, here, here's your provision. Here's your security. Here's your income. Here's your only son. Elijah did the same thing, brought down this boy, gave him to his mother. And I want you to see the results. The widow and first king was convinced that Elijah was what? A man of God, right? And, and then after Jesus, okay, now back to Jesus, after he performed this miracle, they believed that a great prophet has visited us and God, uh, ha- I mean, that is here and God has visited with us. Okay, but here's the deal. Y'all, y'all look at me for a second. Here's the deal. Jesus, yeah, he's, he's a great prophet, but he's more than this great prophet. Amen. Huh? Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen. John chapter 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Amen. Yeah, Jesus, this great prophet. He was sent by God, absolutely. But he's more than that. He is God. He is Lord. And the difference between Elijah and Jesus is Elijah had to come. And it's kind of weird, right? But he had to stretch himself over the dead boy three times and then beg God, God, please bring this boy back to life. Jesus comes to the dead boy and goes, arise. Arise. I mean, he, does, that, does that show you something? That gives me chills. Huh? His words arise. Here he is. And, and so what does this mean for us? right? Um, right now, if you're hurting, you're grieving, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you're, maybe you're hurting from past mistakes. maybe this week you screwed up big time. Jesus' compassion and, and his great redeeming almighty power are both very sufficient to meet you with your needs do you hear me his compassion and power are great enough are everlasting enough are big enough to meet you in your grief in your hurt in your failures in your depression To meet you there, and to fix your needs. You guys, with me? Some of you, I know. Okay, let me. This is a little personal moment as your pastor. Okay, I know some of you right now are truly you're truly grieving someone who's passed on. I I know it. Um, And and hear this from me. I love you. Okay, I, I, I love you. And I know for a fact some of you um, you feel rejected by someone. Someone has rejected you, right? And, and you feel worthless. Listen to me. I love you. Okay. And, and I know for a fact some of you have been betrayed and have been wounded by people. And you fear. I've talked to you guys before. You fear that you can never trust people again. I love you. Okay? And, and I know some of you are so depressed right now that a positive thought seems like it's impossible to think of. I love you. Okay? But what you need to hear me say this, and I truly love you guys. My compassion for you, my love for you, and any power I can muster up for you will fail you. It, it, it's going to fail you. Your spouse's compassion, your best friend's love and mercy will fail you. So stop putting your needs, your grief. Are you guys with me? Your hurts, your failures, stop putting your identity onto things that are not Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ. And his big old heart, full of compassion, full of power, full of authority, is the only thing that can stand the weight of your needs. That can stand the weight of your hurt and your grief. If you're hurting, if you don't know what to do, Jesus is Lord of compassion and Lord of power. Turn to Him. Turn to Him. My question for you is very simple, okay? And this might just apply, like I said, if you have not experienced pain and hurt yet, that kind of follows you where you go, you're going to. You're going to. Don't be naive, okay? Jesus didn't promise us just to fix everything. Uh, next week, we're going to look at um, a story uh, of John the Baptist, and I, I'm not looking forward to next week. Right? Uh, because we're about to see, even when someone is uh, obedient, even when someone um, relies on the Lord, sometimes His grace and sometimes His compassion doesn't look like what we think it's supposed to look like. But know this, even in those moments, even when Jesus doesn't heal the young bull, even when Jesus doesn't fix something, Jesus is still Lord of compassion, Lord of power, and He is still good because His will is greater than our will. But this week, if you're hurting, if you have grief in your life, meet Jesus. Come go to the gate where Jesus is standing. He's like, hey, here I am. And experience his love and his compassion. It's so good. It's so good. Let me read verse 16 for you one more time. Fear sees them all. And they glorify God. Saying a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. Just as Jesus looks to the chaos of life, saw that widow and had compassion on her, had the power to meet her needs. Jesus sees you. And he has compassion for you. And he has the power to do something big in your life. Turn to him. Have y'all um, bow your heads and close your eyes, and our worship team's going to come up. I'm going to pray. Um, and, and here's the deal I love you guys, but God's love for you is so much greater than my love for you. And if you've never experienced God's compassionate love for you, you can today if you've never experienced what it feels like to have your life made completely new, that your identity be remade into Jesus Christ, you can experience that today. All you have to do, the Bible says, is confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He is God, that He died for your sins and rose again three days later. You will be saved. And so if today... You might realize for the first time, man, I've, I've never experienced that. I've been to church, I've gone to Sunday school, I've sang the songs, but I've never experienced that compassion and that love and that new identity. If that's you, today is a day that you can be made new. Put your pride aside and turn to Jesus. And some of you right now, I know you're hurting there's so much. I know there's hurting here. My challenge is to you is to come and kneel and just be with God. And, and here's, here's what I'm going to call on um, the, the family of DBC, right? The family of Christ here at DBC. What I'm going to call is that if someone comes down here and kneels and prays that your compassion, as Camille said, our compassion is not, a, comes nowhere near Jesus' compassion, so it doesn't mean that we're not called to be compassionate, right? So if someone comes and kneels at this altar, family of DVC, surround them, kneel with them, pray with them, hurt with them. That's the only way that this church will become a family. Is if we hurt with each other. It's easy to celebrate with each other. hurt with each other. We're going to be here to pray. Meet Jesus. He's good. Let me pray.